Shavua Tov and welcome to another week of Torah Learning on Chai FM. This is Rebetzin Edel Kozilski and I'm with you for the next good part of an hour and we are studying Chumash. We are studying the five books of Moses. We've zoomed into the book of Genesis and we are going to try, depending on how time takes us, to finish up chapter 3 of um, the book of Genesis. And we've come to a point now where in the past two weeks we've spoken about the consequences um, of the eating of the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and the consequences that the serpent and that the woman um, landed up getting. Today we're going to discuss, yes, we are going to discuss your men. What happened to Adam and what what consequences did he um, choose to be brought into this world and that we to this very day uh Suffer from or have the burden of um, Or need to work through In order to try revert the world Back to a a garden of Eden existence And um, as always I love getting in your SMS's On 34519-061-895-1019 Is our WhatsApp number Join the conversation Today I think it's going to lead into A very, very interesting topic Um and as we get through the verses, you will see what it is we are discussing. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your comments. Yes, even your criticisms, as long as they are polite. I'm happy. I'm not scared of hearing somebody give an alternate uh, uh, point of view. Just keep it polite. So we're going into verse 17. Um and we're going to read the verses 17 to 19 right now because the, those three verses contain the consequences of Adam eating from the tree of knowledge, good and evil. It goes as follows. Ula Adam, and to Adam, Amar, God said, Kishamata lekol ishtacha, because you listened to your wife, vetochal min ha'etz, and you ate from the tree, and you ate from the tree which I commanded you, saying you should not eat from it. The, the, the soil will now be cursed for your sake. You will now Eat it all the days of your life. The soil, uh, in anguish, you will eat the day for the rest of the days of your life. Vekots vedardar tatzmiach lach, thorns and thistles shall grow for you. Veachalta et esef hasade, and you shall eat the grass of the field. Bezeat apecha tochal lechem, by the sweat of your brow you shall eat the bread. Ad shufcha el ha'adama until you return to the ground. Ki memena lukachta because you were taken from the ground. Ki afarata ve'el afarta shuv for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Quite a few um, interesting things over here and one or two um, uh, sentences that have become part of the lexicon of normal language, you know, by the sweat of your brow. You shall eat all the days of your life. You shall eat bread by the sweat of your brow. And for you are dust, and for dust 
unto dust you shall return. But there's much to be said over here. And as we did with both the serpent and the woman, we need to dissect this a little more and understand that, in fact, Adam, in these consequences, in these curses that he received, he actually received um, he received consequences in ten different ways. So um, the first thing that the rabbis read between the lines is that, um, and this is one of the first curses, is that Adam, we learned when he was created, was wondrously large. He was large in stature. Um, in understanding, in, in, in intuitiveness, in the ability to perceive things from, as we said, one end of the world to the other. Um, he also was large as a human being. And after he violated God's commandment, the first curse was that his stature on all these levels became reduced. He became more, as we know today, more human even though he still stands way above us in our understanding and in our perception of the world, nevertheless, his stature from where he was became reduced. The second also was that he became weaker and his face also changed. So those are um, two subcategories of the curse that um, he received. Then the next couple of curses... Um, are very interesting because they have to do with work. And this opens up a much, much bigger discussion that I want you guys to think about and maybe comment on. Um, and that is like, hey, why do we have to work? You know, to go out and support a family, to go out and make money um, is a pretty difficult thing to do today. And I'm being probably quite polite. Um, unless we are of the very few um, that have either, you know, landed up with a huge inheritance or enough money that our, ourselves and our children and our grandchildren and even further down generations um, have enough from, from an inheritance or we've been lucky enough to find something or invest in somewhere that is, has, has yielded oodles and doodles of money for the majority, 99% of the rest of us, we go out every single day and we fulfill the consequence of by the sweat of your brow, you shall eat your bread. It's hard. It requires a lot of work, a lot of intensity, a lot of dedication, a lot of fortitude for us to, to bring home a parnosa, to bring home a, a livelihood. Um, some of us are a little bit more successful than others. Others find it a little easier than others. But across the board, I think that 99% of society will agree that to feed our families, to acquire that which we need for our physical existences, to make life comfortable, to indulge in, in, in pleasures of this world, it requires a lot of effort. And if we ask, ask ourselves the question, why? It's because we're looking at these verses now. These verses are coming to tell us exactly that and not even reading very much, you know, between the lines that um, the soil was cursed for our sake. In anguish, we will eat it all the days of our lives. Thorns and thistles shall grow for us and we will eat the grass of the field by the sweat of the brow. You shall eat bread. Um, and this is something that we're told um we're going to have as a fait accompli, as something that we are going to have 
um, for the entire existence on this planet. So I want to open it out there to you. You know, what are your feelings about going out and making a living? How do you go out? What, not, not how do you go out as in what do you do to make a living, but with what attitude do you go out to make that living? Do you find it a burden? Do you find it a blessing? Or perhaps maybe do you find it in another way? I'd love to hear from you. SMS is 34519, WhatsApp 061-895-1019. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and uh, we're looking into chapter 3 of Genesis, verses 17 to 19, and we were getting, going, going to get stuck now into a the thorny haha, discussion of why thorns and thistles will grow for us, and we will eat the grass of the field, and by the sweat of our brow we shall eat bread. This really is the basis, the consequence of, of Adam, of Adam choosing to eat of the tree of knowledge, good and evil, was that now life would be pretty difficult and he would have to try make ends meet, as opposed to the fact that before the the, the, the this incident in the Garden of Eden, everything was delivered to him on a silver plate. And I have to remind listeners that are, that maybe you, you haven't been following the last couple of of weeks but we we spoke about the fact that this sin um, of eating of the tree of knowledge, good and evil, was something intentional. Um, Adam and Eve chose to do it. And, in fact, it's reiterated now in the verse where God says, Kishamata lakol ishtacha, because you listened to your wife, vetochal min ha and you ate from the tree which I commanded you to say not to eat. These are your consequences. And so what God is saying is that you chose to partner Eve in her deliberation as to how you would be able to fulfill your potential. And I'm now going to enumerate for you, Mr. Adam, what it is, what the consequences are from eating of this tree of knowledge, good and evil. And in essence, what was the consequences? Well, before um, we were told that when God created the trees, if you go back into our podcasts, um, you can hear about it, that the wood of the trees had the same taste as the fruit. And um, once there was the, the this, this eating of this tree of knowledge, good and evil, what happened was that not all trees became, were fruit-bearing and certainly not all trees their wood and bark and leaves and everything are edible. We only know of certain trees that bear fruit that we can eat the fruit thereof. Um, so many trees did not now, and as we know today, do not produce edible fruit. If not for the sin, every tree would have um, borne fruit. So that was one of the things that was taken away. Um, in the Ma'am Lawyers, it's explained that things that were really uncomfortable like um, thorns, brambles, mosquitoes, ants, all of those also did not exist. Um, and now they do, they, they did, they began to exist once the consequences of this, um, of, 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 of the sin came into being. One interesting thing over here is that it says here, thorns and thistles shall grow for you and you shall eat of the grass of the field. We are told that um, if man had not sinned, if Adam had not sinned, um, the earth would have grown many beautiful things. 
just like the things that were growing in the Garden of Eden, and now that the earth was was cursed on his account, um, he landed up eating, so to speak, the grass of the field. It says that when he heard that his eyes brimmed with tears and he said to God, Master of the universe, shall I be like all other animals now? Shall I eat of the same um, manger as my cattle? And so then God added to that, then by the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread. So what he really did is he went and said, yes, um, you know, I'm giving you of the basic base. What, what this is saying is that God says, I'm going to give you the basics, but you're really, really going to have to work very hard, um, at the rest. And this now, you know, bears discussion. We all have to go out and work. We all have to go and earn a livelihood. And it is by the sweat of our brow. It's very difficult out there. There's a lot of stress. One can take the metaphors of the thorns and the, on, and, and, and the thistle and the mosquitoes and the ants, the pesky things in life, you know, that, that irritate us when we go out to work, the difficulties that we have to go through in order to secure that man has, so to speak, in inverted commas, suffered, um, from it since the time of the Garden of Eden. And why, why, why did Adam and Eve understand that to be a better system than sitting in the Garden of Eden and receiving things on a golden platter? Quite honestly, I'm sure that if I took a vote out there right now, um, all of us would probably put up a hand and say, no, I'd rather be sitting, you know, in the Garden of Eden and things just sprouting out around me and I have enough food and I have enough money and I have enough of whatever I need materially in order to exist because going out into the world and trying to make things happen is really, really difficult and um, there is a lot of sweat and tears involved. So the question is why did our forefather and foremother, Adam and Eve, choose this um, to be what it is that they deemed correct um, by eating from this tree of knowledge, good and evil. And the answer on a much deeper level is that in work, the way that Torah views work is perhaps um, far more, a far more deeper idea than the way that we kind of like perceive it today in 2018. You know, today we have the perception we just need to be educated properly, get ourselves a university degree or, you know, get armed with whatever it is that we need, skill we need to go out so that we can find that good job or we can start that good business so that we could make the money so that we can have the house, the car and the, the, the holiday flat and that we can, you know, have enough for our retirement and move on. Judaism does not see work just as a consequence of, uh, of, of something that was done wrong, but rather a, a big means to a, hu- to a huge end. And that means is that it deems work as the modus operandi of revealing the nitzitzot, the hidden sparks of godliness in the material world. When we go out to work, and this is from a Jewish point of view, it's not just about the gathering up of as much as we can into our bank account so that we can spend as much as we can. And nay, as today, we spend even more than we have for the majority of us um, sit in a pool of debt. But it is rather that our work in whichever 
place we find ourselves should be a an expression of our skills and abilities that God gave us and for us to work that garden, so to speak, to dig deep into the place where we work and reveal the godliness in that the aspect of work that we have undertaken. So whether you're a doctor, a dentist, a mother, a gardener, irrelevant, an investment banker, where, whichever area that we find ourselves in, um, and assuming that this area is um, something that we are passionate about, that would be first choice. We can talk about what happens when you have to do work that you don't want to do. But if we f- have a skill that we, 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 we are good at and we utilize that skill and we go out to work in that field, what we are doing when we are working in that field, our mindset should be that we are there to elevate godliness there. We are there to find God in the work that we do. And that really changes the whole perception of why do I have to wake up on a Monday morning and report to work? Because work is part of your growth. It is difficult, yes. God said it's by the sweat of your brow you are going to have to eat that bread now. Because what Adam and Eve essentially, intrinsically chose was to, to, to be brought down into the deepest part of this physical world where godliness is completely concealed and that we need to go, so to speak, with that metaphoric axe and chip away at the very physical things that we do to find that godliness. And so if we are an accountant, we go out and we do balance sheets and we write up sets of books and we assist those around us to run their businesses accordingly. If we are a doctor, we go out to heal. If we are a gardener, we bring beauty to this world. Irrelevant of where you are, your interactions with that, that, that corner of the world that you have is there to we should come in with the attitude that what I am doing is raising the 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 and bringing to to fruition, bringing out um, the the concept of godliness in this world. And opportunity abounds everywhere. Whether, say, for example, you're a landscaper, you're a gardener, and you know not only bringing beauty to the world, but t- talking to the people that are there or teaching other people to appreciate the beauty of nature and the fact that God is in nature, you can find God wherever you are. And going out to work, that's the paradigm, that's the the, the reference, um, the lens through which we should see why we are going out to work. It's not just about the money. That's the first idea. That, 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 that I'd like to share with you. The second is, is that yes, there's money involved. Because then you could go and argue, well, I'm passionate about, uh, accounting, so I'll just account and I will do my job. Why does God have to bring in this whole idea of money? Because it, it's, 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 it's a reward and punishment, um, type of relationship insofar as I will go out, I'll render a service, I will get paid for it. The next Part of by the sweat of your brow you shall make the bread, etc., etc., is what do we do with our money? Because what happens then is, is, is if say, say, 
we are blessed with 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 livelihood, and we get that money. Does it mean now this money is all mine, and um, I can do with it as I please? I can indulge myself, you know, to the greatest extent into whatever it is, luxury, um, necessity. Like, is there rules about then what to do with the money? And the short answer is that, of course, there is what to do with the money. God commands us that at least one-tenth of our net earnings have to be given away to charity. And this is like now taking the the fact that we're going out into the world, we're trying to find the godliness, we're trying to reap out, to release the, the godly sparks, making the place a better godly place with goodness and kindness everywhere. When we receive the money, when we receive the physical reward for, for, for that experience, we should still remember that we're only passing through, that we're only agents of God, and that our job then is to distribute and or redistribute um, his wealth amongst those that are less fortunate than us. And um, I've got to tell you, my other hat is in, in, in accounting, and I see many, many times how, how, how people are fortunate enough to be successful in business, but when it comes to their ability to give to others, um, it, it diminishes because there is always something greater, something bigger, something more that, that they need. And Torah puts us in perspective that we in fact are, um, we in fact are bank managers for him. We are part of the, 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 the big bank of God. And as we go into the world and we re- release and we gather in, um, the fruits of our labors and make this world a better place to live in, part of our reward is what? To give back again into society. And so 10% at least of net earnings needs to go back to those less fortunate, to institutions that need it, to, to, to making this world even better. When we have the attitude of, when we have this paradigm, when we go into the world thinking the way we think, Working takes on a completely different, you know, idea. It's not, I, I've got to go and I've got to work 12 hours a day. It's terrible. Then I come home and I've got all this money and I need more money. And it starts prioritizing for us really what it is that we are doing in this world. And I think to a, a, a great extent, um, the majority of this, of the world has lost the plot. And the proof of the pudding is that, again, to a very large extent, the majority of people are in debt today. And you have to ask the question why. Yes, we can, um, you know, drill it down and say, yes, the cost of living is so high and school fees are so high and medical aid is so high and this is so high. But, you know, if you are truly honest with yourself and you write down what it is, that you're earning and what it is that you need, you'll see that they're generally, generally, I'm not saying that there are people that are genuinely um, living on the breadline and dealing with absolute basic necessities. But after the basic necessities, there's a, 
wide group of people that are are saying, but I need this and I need that and I need a longer holiday and a better car and I need another pair of shoes and I need this and I need that. And when we have the inability to provide, what we do is we go into debt. And the world of debt and the world of owing to others, be it an overdraft, be it in loans, be it in credit cards, be it in you name it, today uh, the world is is suffocating from it. Um, all of that is part of like, hey, what is your attitude? Where is it that you are on this continuum of understanding what a livelihood is all about? So again, to summarize from a Judaic point of view, going out to work is a consequence that Adam and Eve chose for us because it gives us the ability to go out and elevate the spaces and places in which we find ourselves and bring the world to a better place, to a more livable place, to a more godly place, to a more holy place, to a place of, of goodness and kindness. And even when we have done our work and we can retreat and we take home the bounty of that which we've earned, we're again told, go back and apply another 10% of it back into society. Can you imagine can you imagine if every single one of us on the planet would behave in this way? And I, 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 I can almost hear in the radio saying, but it doesn't apply to me because I don't earn 150,000 rand a month. I only earn 25,000 rand. The law of tzedakah applies to everybody, to everybody, because everybody has a place and a space and a skill and a, a, um, a, a need and a, a function to make this place, this world, a better world. And, uh, you know, when you, when, when you think about it in that way, it completely, well, certainly for me, and I'd like to know from you if you agree or not, it completely changes your attitude to whatever it is that 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 you're doing that you are purposeful in life and again this also applies and gives a bit of um vision as to what you're doing here on this planet it's not about you gathering all this money and being a fabulously wealthy person at the end of the day why because it humbles us these verses it humbles us and it says at the end um, until you return to the ground, for from it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you will return. So like this kind of is like the third tier of this consequence. Don't think that working hard and doing it all and being selfish about it and knowing that you're going to have this huge mountain of retirement or huge amount of wealth that you will have because at the end of the day, we all go the same way. We return to dust. We were created from dust and we went to dust. So if that is the case, then what are we working for? Yes, to leave more comfortable um, lives for our children, for, for, for our generations that are coming forward, which 
is, is a good thing. I'm not saying that it isn't a good thing. I'm not saying that one shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying that one shouldn't be responsible and uh, provide for the retirement. I'm not saying that one shouldn't have life insurance. I'm not saying any of those things. But it's in the context of it all that you need to ask the question, why am I doing it? Because at the end of the day, um, I don't take any of it with me. You're listening to Robertson Adel Kazilski. Welcome back, and uh, um, we're having a discussion about the Jewish viewpoint to Parnosa, to earning a livelihood. Neil says, God says in Genesis, God honors hard work, and God has given all human beings different skills that we need to perform in this world. Correct, Neil, 100%. Um, that is certainly a summation of what um, we have been talking about. Just Dissecting the consequence a little bit more, it says that when Adam was created, he was also exceedingly handsome and that no creature could look in his face. And when he sinned, when the consequences um, became real, his beauty was taken away from him. He was also banished from the Garden of Eden and he lost his status as Lord and Master of this world. We're told that he was placed in the... In, to the east of Eden, um, and God uh, placed um, angels of destruction around the entrance to Eden that would frighten him off if he attempted to re-enter the garden. Why was he placed to the east? So our rabbis teach that he was placed to the east because the Talmud teaches us that the divine presence is in the west. And what Adam had to do now for the rest of his life, and his life was still pretty lengthy. He lived 930 years. Um, his had, he had to go and repent. Now, again, repentance is not something just saying, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Repentance is not only acknowledging what you have done and apologizing, but now living differently. And so... It says that he was placed in the east so his eyes could be lifted to God in a petition of atonement and that every day now when he went out by the sweat of his brow to live, living, living his repentance was very, very important. Um, some say that after Adam was banished from the Garden of Eden, he actually lived on Mount Moriah. That's in Jerusalem where the Holy Temple was later built, where the Akedat Yitzchak, where the... A sacrifice of Yitzhak was there because that was where he was created and that is where his children were born. And most importantly of it all, um, it says that you are dust and to dust you shall return, which means basically the implication is that man's destiny is to die and to be buried into the ground and to be swallowed up back into from from whence he came. We know that if Adam hadn't sinned, he would have been immortal and um, he would have lived a very, very different life. So death in, in truth is actually a benefit because it says that when a person is found back into the ground, he is purified and cleansed of all the sins he he did in the physical world. Now, what is the, what is one of the most interesting things, um, in this entire discussion is that we have the word toldot, which means generations of said many, many times. In fact, I think six times in Torah and, um, only twice the word toldot is spelt out fully, um, meaning that toldot 
taf vav lamed dalad vav taf um spells out completely um in all other cases one of the vavs is missing so you're still able to pronounce it the same way but the letter vav is missing and the rabbis teach as follows when we look back in genesis 2:4 so that's chapter 2 um Number four, the verse number four, it says, Ele told or Shamaim Ba'aretz. These are the generations of heaven and earth. There it spells out completely. Then as we go through the Torah and we look at other Toldot, talking about the Toldot of, 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 um, Yitzhak and of Avraham and of all, they're all missing vavs because they were incomplete. The only other time we see the word Toldot is in the book of Ruth where it says, Ele toldot parrots. These are the generations of parrots. Um, and the rabbis ask why these two times is the word generations spelt out in full while all the other times when they talk about the generations, the offspring of man, are they incomplete? And we are taught that when God created the world, we know there wasn't any need for death if man had acted properly, but he didn't. So before man acted improp- improperly, the, the generations of heavens and earth were 100% complete. We were complete. We were going to be immortal. After that, man sinned. So all the generations are incomplete except for the generation that is spoken about in the book of Ruth because Peretz is the great-grandfather of uh, David HaMelech, of King David. King David being the the one who is going to be the predecessor to Messiah, which means as follows, that with the coming of the Messiah, with the coming of Mashiach, who is a descendant of David, death, as we're told in Isaiah, will be swallowed up forever. So there the toldot of man will again be complete. And so only the genealogy of heaven and earth, the offspring of heaven and earth before man sinned was complete. And only at the end of time, when man has completed his work, Will it be complete? I have a, a, an SMS that's just come in that says, Shalom, yes, the Quran says the same, except that the blame is not on his wife, but on Satan. Okay, well, um, it's no blame over here. Um, we have spoken about it before. Um, there is no blame. There is no, there, there was a conscious decision by Adam and Eve, and Adam agreed with Eve. Um, and there's no shifting of blame. Um, it is... The fact that they chose to make life, so to speak, in inverted commas, difficult for us because in the difficulty of living day-to-day life, we are finding godliness there. So it's very easy for us to blame somebody else and say, well, we are like this because of that. Um, That can be read on a very literal uh, level, even from a Judaic point of view. But if one looks into the esoteric, the Kabbalistic Part, it's explained that we are here to make this world a dwelling place for God. And this consequence um, of working hard, of bearing children in pain, of all of the things that we have spoken about is because Adam and Eve believed that this was the right thing to do. And that really, in a sense, defines our purpose um, in this world. I just want to finish the last three verses um, of chapter chapter uh, three, because then we can start afresh. Um, in fact, there's actually four verses. They read as follows: Vayikra haAdam Shem Ishto Chava ki Hata Haita Em Kolchai. Adam renames his wife because before she was called Isha, 
meaning the, the, the wife of man coming from the word ish. He now renames her Eve because she is the mother of life. And our rabbi is going to a whole explanation as to why Chava, Eve, was done. One explanation is that the Aramaic for serpent is called Chivya. So it um, kind of alludes to the fact that she allowed the serpent to influence her and make an, a decision. The other is that it says that Eve could speak all all languages. Adam, on the other hand, didn't have this power. And um, when he, the the animals would speak, Eve would understand. Adam wouldn't. And he would always have to ask his wife. Adam would always have to ask his wife. And she was called Chava because she declared Chavava information. She taught Adam all languages. God made shirts of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed him. And from here we learn how very, very important it is to provide clothing for those in need. Because here we see God himself clothing Adam and Eve, and as Jews and as human beings, we need to emulate God and work with all our power to clothe the poor, um, who do not have poor clothing because being naked or not having sufficient clothing um, puts one to experience a shame that is often worse than death. So it's a very, very great deed to have mercy on others and ensure that they are clothed correctly. You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. We're going to be summing up very soon, but uh, Neil says uh, another interesting thing us for those who believe and trust in God, one should honor God by the way we treat those we work with. Absolutely, yes, 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 Neil, vitally important. We should be, Neil continues, we should be an example to those we interact with, and our faith in Hashem should have been our answer if others ask us um, why we treat them with respect. Absolutely, there's this entire um, section of the Talmud that, that deals with how a person needs to interact in the workplace, absolutely and categorically, there is a need for respect. There is a, there is a, um, an obligation that an employer will, should always pay his employee on time and not withhold anything. And even when we look at the laws of slavery, which was a, a means of, of paying back, um, for, for stuff in the, in the olden days, something not done today, but the care and concern that one needs to take for one's slave and one's maidservant and their children, um, shows the kindness and compassion with which Torah looks again at work. It is not a mitzvah to go out and work and, and discriminate and, 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 and be disrespectful and nasty to those that work around us. Certainly thank you, Neil, for that comment. Finally, we have the verses that, verses 22, 23, and 24, where God says, Behold, the man has become like one of us now in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he put forth his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God banishes him from the garden of Eden. This is verse 23. To work the soil from which he was taken, he drove away man, and he stationed the angels at the east of Eden together with a fiery revolving sword to guard the way of the tree of life. And that, in essence, concludes the whole incident with the tree of knowledge, good and evil, um, it is something that we live uh, live today with on 
you know, on a, on a consistent basis, we live the repercussions of it, but in those repercussions, we actually learn our purpose. And I hope that through these teachings, you have been enlightened and understand a little bit more about what your purpose is and how you should view, um, what you do in this world as something that is godly, not something that you just actually have to or become arrogant about or even stress about. Because at the end of the day, that which is due to us will come to us, as we've learned um, when it comes to uh, the Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur time, the new year. One of the things we pray for um, is that God gives us what we need um, to to live the year through. So anything that we do get is a blessing from God. Our job is to make this world back to the Garden of Eden, a world where there's kindness, compassion, um, and this is something um, that we all need and should always do. Wishing you all a fantastic week.